Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. In this episode, Gina and I tackle the topic of fear, how and why it shows up in our lives, and how it can either help us grow or sabotage our efforts. If you're someone who's ever struggled with fear of being seen or showing up, keep on listening. Welcome back. Today's episode is all about fear of showing up, fear of being seen. Um, And funnily enough, even with this podcast, uh, Sam and I both have had our fair share of fear um, related to even starting it. And even once we started it, um, we've actually had a lot of things come up since we've recorded our first episode of not wanting to release it. And there's been a lot of talks of fear in the past couple Mm. weeks. (laughs) Yeah, we wanted to record this episode because we think that there is a common preconception or misconception rather that people who do things like podcasts, writing books, or anything that would get them out in front of people, that they're not afraid to do that. And we have the story in our heads that, oh, they're just really good at that. Um, They're naturally gifted in those ways, or they had some experience with it or connections. And we're not saying that none of that is true, but the thing that is true for everyone is that when you are trying something that you have never done before, you will experience intense fear. And that fear will show up in the form of voices that say, you shouldn't be doing this. There's already someone better than you who's doing this. You don't know what you're doing. You should just give up now. You should just stick to what you were doing. And the reason why this is so timely is because obviously we've just released our podcast. (laughs) And as we were gearing up to share it, I think that what is important to remember is that when you are going to create anything, you will always feel the inspiration first. That Mm -hmm. is the true self saying, yes, I want this to be in the world. I want this to be expressed through you. I want this to be shared with others and to influence the universe through me. And then you start working towards it. And then at some point, you just let the self-doubt creep in. And then you stop. And then you give a lot of power to that voice. And so Gina, I remember, we had recorded our first couple of episodes and she was super gung-ho. She was like, I can't wait to get this out there. Our podcast is so amazing. She listened to a few clips. And then she literally had a complete freak out about this whole thing and you wanted to basically quit. And I said, that's not possible. I listened to it and, you know, I think it – Like for you, Sam, you are a natural performer. So even me, who I'm very close with Sam, clearly, even I thought, well, this is easy for Sam. Sam doesn't get scared. Mm -hmm. And because I had this false belief that she never gets scared and this is easy for her, 
my brain started going into, well, then this should just be her podcast. You know, I'm not even in this league. I, I'm not even there yet. I should practice more. I should wait. And I think sometimes we falsely believe that because we're not confident in it, it means that we shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then and you so, told me that confidence is the yes. reward, not the prerequisite. And so I think that if we are believing that we are supposed to feel confident as we try something, then we will never try something because you are not confident when you do something for the first time. I think that the best you can ask for when you try something for the first time is just to be excited. But confident? No. As we journeyed forward and created the branding identity for this podcast, coming up with ideas and topics, there was a lot of excitement. But I wouldn't say there was a lot of confidence, and that's okay. I would not have wanted to feel confident without having any evidence for feeling that way. But I think it was also because it wasn't scary yet. It was just mm. the beginning. It wasn't really real yet. It was an idea. The so what makes it was scary? Fun. I think actually listening to it back and thinking, okay, now we're going to release this and other people are going to hear it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before I even started this podcast, this is something that we've talked about for years. But again, fear kept getting in the way. And finally, I, I've been doing a lot of inner work for why my why I have this fear and going back to a lot of my inner child wounds and healing a lot of those. So a part of me did feel more prepared. But then I think it just came right back up again. And actually what came up for me was this voice that was like, you, you're not allowed to do this. You shouldn't do this. And I had to explore where that was coming from because consciously I was like, I'm allowed to do this. No one's telling me I'm not. But it brought me back to when I was a teenager. And I have always been really interested in music and singing and dance. And with my parents, that was just not okay. I wasn't allowed to pursue these things. They were they were just totally against it. So I had to hide these interests. I was part of the dance team. I would have to make up excuses and reasons of why I wasn't coming home after school. I remember all of my dance clothes. I would have to wear them underneath my other clothes. And everything I did that was following my my heart and what I really felt like I wanted to do, things that really made me happy growing up, those were all the things that I had to hide. And so I learned just from this experience when I was able to kind of tap back into that experience was that we do need to kind of go back and heal those parts of us. And I had to literally tell myself, I'm not 13 anymore. Right. I'm allowed to do this. I, I, and, and I think it's just going back and tapping into, um, the why of why we're doing this. And I think for me, my driving force is I want to do it because I like doing it. It's not about if it's going to be really good. It's not about if everyone else is going to like it. The most important thing has to be, do I like it? And am I, ha- am I having fun? And you're, Are you having fun? Yeah. We talked about recently about how um, when it comes to artistry, so if you're creating painting or music, the job is not to create things that you think other people will like. Your job as a creator is just to create and try and not be the judge of that as as much as possible because whether or not you think something is good or bad has really no bearing on what someone else would think about it. We joked about how a painter probably thinks about everything that they've created and a lot of other people's favorites of theirs are probably their – 
you know, worse paintings to them. They're like, yeah. those are terrible. Why would you like that one? And then vice versa, the ones that they really like, no one else really likes. I hear this a lot with artists in their interviews about the album and how yes. the single wasn't the one that they wanted to be the single, but that was the catchy one. And then that's the favorite song. But they're like, oh, yeah, track 11 is actually my favorite, but no one mm-hmm. listens to that one. And so I don't think the idea is to create things and hope that they're good. The idea is just to create because it's in you to create and it's fun and it's expressive. What anyone else thinks about it is really none of your business. But what's interesting is that you had said that the fear comes up when you start imagining other people listening. And so then the fear is not, I'm too afraid to do this. It's I'm too afraid of what other people are going to think about me doing this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what they're going to say about it. What are their thoughts? What are they going to, you know, their judgments around it. And then it very quickly comes into the attachment of really just doing it for the validation. Mm-hmm. And that's really not why you and I are doing this and why you we really shouldn't do anything from that from that lens. Um, but it's funny how much we ping pong back and forth from I got this to within a minute, it's like, oh my God, I suck at this. I should not be doing this. And yeah. I think understanding that that's normal. That's 100% just part normal. of the process. We, we have to normalize that and more quote unquote successful people need to be talking about that because I think there's this air of not wanting to share how much you struggled or doubted yourself, it's like you want to appear as if it was easy and you knew what you were doing the whole time, you know, faking it until you make it. But then other people on the outside are wondering, how did that person do that? And then they make up that story or that narrative that, oh, they just, they're just naturally good at that. Or that's just the type of thing that that person would do. And I want these people to know that that's not true at all. I'm a normal human being and I didn't think that I could do this. And I just had to literally do it out of the just enjoyment in my heart. The creativity wanted to be expressed. I wanted to create this with you and -hmm. know that our conversations are valuable for us. And considering the fact that if it's valuable for us, it could probably be valuable for someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, whether it is or not is really up to the universe. But as soon as we try to take that control back and control how other people are going to perceive it, then we get into fear. And Gina had mentioned, it's funny how we ping pong back and forth between feeling confident and then not confident. That is normal. And we have a funny story about that because one of our first episodes, I remember listening back to it and thinking, this is amazing. I love this conversation. Gina listened to it and thought it was terrible. And I, I couldn't like, even keep li- – I had to stop listening to it because I was like, I can't. It hurt, I can't listen. And I remember your self-esteem was just all over the place that week because you you heard it and you just didn't like it. And I was like, this is preposterous. It's incredible. And then you did some inner child healing because what you realized was there's two versions of you. There's the version of you now that wanted to create this and have fun with it and get it out into the world. But then the 13-year-old version was you was feeling that shame in being seen and, and being judged. And so you were kind of, you know, straddling those two selves, which you healed and became whole. And then what's so funny is recently I re-listened to it and then I thought it was bad. And I thought, <laughs> okay, well, this is funny because the podcast hasn't changed. Same podcast, same me, same Gina, yet here I am thinking a completely different thing about this, which just goes to show it's not ever the situation or the thing that's Mm -hmm. making you feel fearful. It's your thoughts about it. And so I had to get curious, what was I thinking now that was causing me to feel, feel and observe more judgment than the last time? I still haven't figured that out, but because I've normalized this sense of judgment about whatever I'm creating or embodying, I don't make a big deal out of it. You Mm -hmm. know, I think in the past, if I had felt this way, I think, 
oh, I should just cancel the podcast recording for tonight. I don't think we should record a podcast. But now I just talk back to that voice and I say, um, you thought the podcast was amazing last week. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like someone who's giving their unsolicited opinion. You just think, I okay, did I ask you? I don't overreact to that voice anymore and then shut down as a result. It's more of a conversation mm-hmm. than a directive. I like what you said about getting curious with it because that's kind of what came up for me too. It's like, well, why am I feeling like this? And where is this coming from? And one question that's been really helping me is when was the last time I felt this? Because then I feel like it kind of brings up when the last time that was triggered and then I can kind of keep going back. And really for most of us, the fear of showing up, the fear of being seen starts in childhood. Um, And um, I think I think what has really helped me as you were kind of just circling back to what you were saying of how we need to normalize that this is just kind of part of the process, that's actually what has given me the courage to get on this podcast in the first place. Because I've heard recently more people sharing about their journeys, people that are extremely successful. Um, I mean, even Grant Cardone says that every year where he's like, I can't believe I did this. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking, but you're Grant Cardone. Of course you're going to do this. And so there's so many successful people that you would never think question their ability to do anything. And so I think for me, that's actually given me the courage to go for it. Um, And I'm trying to really step into a season of, like you said, just getting curious with that voice and also understanding that just because you have that thought, it doesn't make it true. doesn't make it true at all. And I think that one of the most healing things for both of us have been realizing that if I'm a human, then everyone else is a human. And if I feel this emotion, then everyone else has felt this emotion. And I think that the most illusory perception of separation is only I experience this, mm-hmm. right? And then assuming that other people don't, which is why they're doing what they're doing, but no one is exempt from fear. Literally no one. I think that the only difference is how we respond and interact with fear. And one of the most powerful realizations I've had about fear is that responding to fear or rather reacting to fear and shutting down, it doesn't keep me safe from feeling fear. It actually just feeds more of the fear. The Mm -hmm. only thing that actually dissolves fear is doing it anyway. That's the only thing. And so when I figured that out, I realized, oh, if I don't do the podcast, I don't actually stop feeling scared. I just continue to feel scared and don't take action. Whereas if I take action, that's actually how I start to train the fear or train my body rather to realize that this is not a thing to be afraid of. Also, when it comes to fear, what people don't realize is that you're not actually afraid of losing your job or being ridiculed. You think that's what you're afraid of, but that's a mask for a feeling that you will feel when that happens. Mm -hmm. You are afraid that you will feel sad or you will feel guilty or that you will feel shame. And one of the things I tell all my clients all the time is all of these emotions you have already experienced and survived before. Every terrible thing that could ever happen to you emotionally has already been experienced. It will not be a different emotion physiologically. It'll mm-hmm. just be a different story that you're matching with it in your mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, 100%. And I feel like what's really helped both of us is personifying that fear and talking to it. And mm-hmm. because if another person did come up to me and say, 
your podcast sucks and you know you shouldn't be doing this. I, at this point in my life, would stand up for myself and totally. say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Honestly, there have been people that have said we shouldn't do this. I literally would and be just like, who asked you? Totally. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to take your advice. Um, I'm going to do it anyway because it's what I love. And so it's funny, though, how within ourselves we somehow make it mean so much more than that. And I think to your point about overcoming the fear, I think when we just keep on backing away and removing the trigger, it's kind of the same thing as if you were in a relationship and every time you go into a fight, you just broke up with them. Mm. You would never have a healthy relationship with anyone because you're giving up right when you should be trying harder, when you yeah. should be kind of trying to look at why is this happening and how can I – create a different experience. And I think the funny thing is too, is we do have this belief that we can create our own reality. But then for yeah. some reason, when it comes to things like this, I forget that I have the power to create yeah. the reality of this. On that note, actually, with that relationship metaphor, we talked about this before too, about how if you do try and do something different, it'd be almost like trying to leave a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. And then as you leave, as you start to recognize your worth and start thinking, oh, there's other people out there, there's other lifestyles out there for me to live, that partner is going to lash out and, yeah. you know, say things as things like, you're never going to find someone who loves you more than me. You're going to regret this. And if you believe those thoughts, you will not leave. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, this happens to more people than I hope that it would ever happen to you. But the same thing happens when you start standing up for yourself against that fearful critic. When you say, no, I actually think that I am worthy of releasing this. I actually do want to share this. I want to share my truth. That voice is going to say, you're going to regret this. You mm -hmm. shouldn't do that. You are going to make a huge mistake. All of those voices are going to come up. And your job is to just become aware of them and know that that's not you. I think that one of the hardest things on my journey has been recognizing the the two voices, almost like mm -hmm. the two wolves. We talked about that, right? How yeah. there's the the good wolf and the quote unquote bad wolf, the light wolf, the dark wolf. Which one wins? And it really is the one you feed. Which one are you nurturing? Which one are you listening to and communing with? And so many of us are giving a lot of airtime to the dark wolf or that mm -hmm. fearful voice. And one of the things to note about these voices is that unfortunately, the fearful voice is much louder. It's, it's almost like screaming. And that other voice, that intuitive voice, is it's very subtle, right? She or he doesn't really raise their voice. It's more these urges and just keen movements. It's mm -hmm. not crazy. And so looking back, you can see the whispers and you can see the dots as they connect back. But in the moment when you hear that fearful voice, it really out it outperforms of course, because the voice. fear is almost manic. The fear is going to go, like you said, it's going to grasp at everything. That the, Your ego is going to grasp at everything to get you to stop. And I think one of the biggest things that's helped me is understanding that our brains are not designed to help us be happy. It's designed to make us survive. Yes. And so when we've experienced these triggers, and I've had many in my life where I did overcome my fear of showing up and I totally flopped. And so these are imprinted in my mind that every time you show up, you fail. And that has been a narrative in my mind for a very, very long time. And so as I start to continue to put myself in this arena of being put out there, and especially something like a podcast that's extremely public, I'm putting myself in a bullseye of the target for all the triggers to keep coming up because I'm just constantly being seen in this way. Right. And I think it's just remembering that um, – 
Yeah, just going back to what you were saying too, is that when you put yourself in front of all these triggers, of course the trigger is going to come up, right? Yeah, but what we're what we're really putting ourselves in front of is just our judgments of ourselves. Because here's the thing, a negative comment or negative comments from other people, they can't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't, they can't actually physically hurt us. What is so hurtful is when we believe those comments and we internalize them and respond to our own thoughts about them, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't actually control what someone thinks about you, your podcast, your book, or anything. What you can control is what you think about what they think. But if you can't manage to reel in your own thoughts and you start to really go on a tangent with those negative thoughts and comments, well, then you start losing it and because you're still conditional upon what other people are thinking and saying about you. When you become unconditionally loving of yourself, and that's a really good sign. If you are still conditional upon what other people are thinking and saying, that means you are still conditional with yourself. Yeah. Because when you are unconditional with yourself, then what anyone says has no weight, Mm -hmm. right? If I love myself conditionally, no matter how terrible this podcast is, then if someone says it's terrible, it's like, okay, but it just... Like water it just doesn't matter. Back. It just doesn't matter. It just- well, it's like what you um, you always say this quote where if somebody came up to you and said you're blue, right? I always <laughs> like your that. skin is blue. You'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> you could say that confidently, and it wouldn't impact you at all what they thought, right? And that's how we need to be with ourselves. And honestly, part of the reason why I was able to muster up the courage to come back and start recording again is because <laughs> I honestly want to strengthen this trust and relationship with myself and my higher self. My higher self knows that this is what I want to do. It is not about the metrics. It's not about anyone else. This is simply just something that Sam and I want to do. It makes us happy. And we're hoping that whoever does listen, that it does help to resonate. And ultimately, we're creating this because we wish we had something like this to help us heal, right? And that's it. And if that's the only goal, then Nothing else matters. And so I'm really just trying to keep that in mind. And now that I have the awareness that these triggers are going to keep coming up, I'm so much better prepared. Because like you said, it really is standing up for yourself like you're standing up to that inner bully. Mm -hmm. And and it's ultimately how I would stand up for you. If somebody came up to me and said, Sam's terrible. Sam sucks. You'd fight them. I'd fight them. I'd say, no, she doesn't. Honestly, I actually probably wouldn't. I'd be with like, that's your opinion. I think she's amazing. Mm, and that would be the end of it. That's because it. Because who cares? I would tell you, what does that person know? They they don't it, – even if they were the most educated person on earth, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's just their opinion. And I think it goes back to, again, what we have within our control. Yeah. And I think I have spent way too much time in my life focusing on what I can't control. Yeah. I think also when we create from a place of, you kind of touched on this, but when we create from a place of what can I give and share, Mm. there's nothing to be afraid of because you're coming from a helpful and just truly generous perspective. Whereas if you are trying to create something and get something from it, for example, if you're trying to start a business and all you're thinking is about all you, all you're thinking about is what you're gonna get from it, how much money you're gonna make, all the status you're gonna make, then you are really conditional on the performance of the business and what people say about it or your products. But if your business is truly a model of how can I create a product or a service that is going to literally positively impact the people who engage with it? Mm-hmm. then any negative comment is really just really – is just great feedback. It's, oh, okay, that didn't work out well. Great. Now we know that we can improve the product in this way or service in this way. And mm-hmm. so that's how I really approach my coaching business. When I first started it, I remember thinking a lot of fearful thoughts about what they were going to think and whether it was going to be helpful. And then I changed my perspective to 
wait, what am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. I'm doing this to help them get to a transformation. I'm doing this so that they can live their life with more freedom and awareness that I once didn't have that I now can share with them. And so when I came from that perspective, I thought any negative comment I could possibly ever receive would literally just help me help them more. And so it completely reduced all the fear because I'm not there to get something out of them. I'm just there to give. And so whatever negativity or just frankly, it would just be, it wouldn't even be negativity. It would just be positive feedback or, you know, constructive Constructive feedback. Yeah. Constructive criticism. I would be so grateful because at the end of the day, what I want is for this to be helpful. Otherwise, why am I doing it? And it's all about that perspective. And I think it's also not about taking it personal because honestly, you and I also talked about this too, as Sam was trying to help me feel better. There's a lot of very successful people out there that I also think are not that great. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It doesn't it change. It doesn't matter. We, we've we joked so much about people who are doing clearly very well, you know, yep. financially and they're well-respected, but we just, we're just not huge fans. We're, we're not in love with their business model. We don't really like their content, but my negative opinion about them has literally no bearing on their success. I don't engage with their content. I don't buy their products and they're still millionaires. So if you are waiting until everyone loves your content, engages with you, thinks you're amazing, well, then you're never going to start because not everyone's going to love you. And also if you're waiting until you're not scared anymore, Mm. you're never going to do it. And I think I a little bit falsely believe that, okay, I don't think I'm scared of doing this anymore. I know. Um, So I've done so much of the inner work. And then when all of the negative thoughts, the criticism, the, you know, that inner bully came out with a fury. I really started to believe it. I know. And I started to go into a feeling of, well, this is such a strong emotion, so it must be true. Mm. Um, But I do think you can reverse the volumes because I do feel, at least right now, that my higher self voice is much louder. The little voice like, did you hear what I said? I I said you're going to suck. And my higher self is like, yeah, I heard you. And is there anything else? And then the they they run out of things to say. You know, it's all just empty words. And now I have that understanding of those are just thoughts. Those are just words. And really, I think it's so funny because so many of us easily believe that voice that has Mm -hmm. no evidence. But then it's so much harder for us to believe the other voice when it does have a ton of evidence that right. we have overcome past fears. And, you know, I have plenty of evidence to show that this is something that we should be doing. It's something that we're going to really love doing. But for some reason, it's so much easier to believe in the fear that has totally. no bearing. I think that what I've expect, um, what I've accepted now is that, once again, like Gina said, the brain is not concerned with keeping you happy. It's concerned mm-hmm. with keeping you safe. And essentially, anything unknown is just unsafe to the brain. Anything it hasn't experienced yet projects is going to be an experience. It won't be able to use some sort of heuristic on, right? So this podcast, we don't have a past experience. So it's just right. going to perceive the whole thing as new, therefore scary. Yeah. And so now I know before I do anything, that's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. I just – I almost – I'm proactive about it. Okay, when I do get scared before I do this thing I've never done before, this is what I will say and tell that fearful voice so that I don't let it kind of get its um its claws into me or sink its yes. teeth. Because yes. if I, like you said, the emotion became so strong. So then that's a normal thing to respond with is, oh, well, I'm feeling this way, so it must be true. 
But it's really important to understand where that feeling came from because feelings are born from our thoughts. So the thoughts started, right, gently with, oh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And then they kind of got more aggressive to, I'm not cut out for this. It should just be her podcast. All those, they became really strong. So then yet the feeling got stronger because the thoughts picked up more energy. And so I'm kind of curious, what exactly turned it around? I think, hmm, let me think about that. Because we talked, we talked throughout it. I remember thinking, you're crazy. It sounds amazing. I mean, I think it was, I, you, you know me, I always know that there is a gift in the pain. And so I think at first I was spiraling and that was, um, I think I left you a voice note that night after I really spiraled. And then I said to myself, you know what, there's something here and I'm going to try to be there for myself. I'm going to try to be the, you know, the inner mother, the best friend, the cheerleader, the supporter. I want to try to be there for myself as I would for you, for my daughter. What do I need to hear right now? And what do I need to tell my fear to make myself feel safer? And so I tried to just kind of turn that around of, you know, but look at how far you have come. Um, honestly, like I even think about Emmeline all the time because she's, my daughter is in a speech class and they have to like memorize these speeches and they do these big performances where they have to do the whole speech in front of um, the the audience. And she gets nervous every time. And I'm not shocked. I'm not like, what? You're nervous? That must mean you shouldn't do this. I expect right. that that's going to happen. When she goes to a new dance class, a new, new, new grade, we're going to expect that, yes, yeah, she's going to feel nervous. But it's funny that we don't have those same expectations for ourselves when we're starting something new, which now we do. Mm-hmm. And I hope that this podcast episode does help some of you guys who are maybe experiencing the same thing because I cannot tell you how many things I haven't done in my life because – I listen to the fear. And honestly, at this point, I've just gotten to the point where enough is enough. I have said to myself, no more. I am not going to keep on stopping myself from doing things that genuinely light me up just because I'm afraid. And also that quote about the confidence, you know, it's not, confidence is not the prerequisite, it's the reward. I'm now like, okay, I'm just going to keep on going and expecting that, yes, the first few are going to feel a little clunky to me. I might not love them. And that's okay. That's just part of the process. Just like it is for a kid learning how to ride a bike, they're going to fall. I think one of the things we kept reminding each other of too was that anyone who starts anything, let's, you know, let's use YouTube as an example. The first video just it's it sucks. It's it's hilariously bad. And that's not <laughs> it's totally fine, right? I love when creators go back in time and they'll stitch their own videos and it's just laughable because it's not that you have to be great to start. You just literally have to start to be great and if anything, if you have a true passion for, it, of course you're going to get better as you go. It's not about being good before you start. How would you even get good before you start? You know, I had a client who wanted to grow her um, graphic design business in my program, and she was so nervous about how the projects were going to turn out and whether the work was good. And I said, babe, you don't even – how do you know the work is good? You haven't you haven't created enough to be able to make that judgment, and the work is going to get better through more trials, like literally through creating your first project, whether you like it or not, that is going to be ammunition for you to create even greater works of art. And so that's really the only way for us to grow. And I remember hearing that quote when I was younger, which is which is resonating a lot right now, which is everything you want is on the other side of fear. 
I know. That's a that's a big one. How that's true big is one. that? It's so true. I've, I've realized that every single person on this planet, if they're not doing something that calls them in their heart of hearts, there's a fear tied to it, mm-hmm. right? It's what are people going to think or what's going to happen to me? It, it always comes down to the fear of a loss of love. So that might look like mm. losing positive opinions from family members or friends or, you know, colleagues thinking it's stupid. Um, it would be maybe losing money and then you're believing that you're going to judge yourself and feel shame. So then there's like a loss of your own self-love there. So there's a belief that you're going to lose love in some shape or form if you do this. It's hard to explain with I using think love. I as think the it's word. love. I think that that's a good word, or even just be, the the act of being liked, you know, mm-hmm. accepted, you know. And I also think with fear, the things that we're the most afraid of, we're afraid of them so much because it means so much to us. So in some ways, the more scared you are, the more it just important. means like the more the more the, the better it is because yes. then it just means that it's something that's really good and something that you really love and something that's important to you. I mean, think about it. My biggest fear is anything happening to someone in my family, not some random stranger. I mean, of course I would care if a random stranger got hurt too, but it's just, we care the most about the things that mean the most to us. I feel like that was so obvious, but (laughs) no, but it's true. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whenever, whenever I'm getting really scared now, I'll actually tell myself, Ooh, I think this is really important then. Yes. Right. Because we don't we don't sweat small stuff. Right. So yep. it is a really big thing. And um, one of the things I told my client before, and I read this in a really incredible book, it was called Playing Big. I forget the author's name, Tara something. But she also detailed two different types of fear. And so just like anything, there is a spectrum, right? And so she talked about how there was this fear called Pashad and this fear called Yira. And the Pashad fear is that small voice that we've been talking about, which is the, you shouldn't be doing that. And did you really think you should, you would be good at that? And, you know, other people are doing this. It's, it's the voice that basically tells you that what you're doing is not enough or that if you do something, this bad thing will happen. It kind of paints this future projection of how things will go and they will be bad. So you should just not do them. Um, And then there's the Yira fear actually, which is not the same type of fear. It's more like when you know that you are about to step into a bigger container than you're used to, there's Mm. a feeling of a bit of expansion, but also hesitation Mm because it's new. And so I've been able to identify that fear more often and that fear signals to me every single time, yes. Mm. It's actually not a no. Um, that projection fear, now I know, okay, if I can become aware of my thoughts, that'll go away. But the other fear I can't really get rid of because it's this, it's just this awareness that I'm now stepping into just a new space, right? Space as a podcast host. And then before that, it was space as a coach. Before that, I used I was a, a full-time realtor. So full space is that. So it's but that's a good fear. That's mm-hmm. actually, I love that fear. I love encouraging that. It's not a sign that I need to back down, turn around, stop it. It means you are literally stepping into something bigger than where you are. Be ready. It's it's almost like a preparatory emotion for what all is about to unfold. I absolutely love the way that you worded all of that. And I think now I, I do feel so much more better equipped for the next time 
probably right after I listen to this podcast episode, <laughs> I'm going to say again, I don't want to do this. But that time now, I'm going to remember that it's because this is me stepping into the arena, showing up, doing something and putting myself out there, expanding myself. And, um, you know, Brene Brown talks so much about that shame too and the whole vulnerability thing. And even hearing her talk about that, I, I went back to listen to a lot of her videos that have been out for a while. And it does humanize this whole experience. Like you said, yes. it does normalize it. And so it has made it feel a lot more safe for me. Um, and so sometimes I think that's also an important factor too is, you know, how can you make this feel safe for you? So again, going back to the inner child example, how could you make that feel safer for a kid? You know, if my daughter is nervous about the speech, it's like, okay, well, what, what can we do? You know, do we practice more? Do I need to talk to her about, I don't know, just giving her some tips and advice instead of just telling her don't do it. Right. So I think just kind of giving ourselves that compassion that the fear is normal. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's all about what we make it mean mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And um, yeah, it's crazy though, because I really do feel like all the fears boil down to something that happened to us before. Of course. And your body has basically memorized that was painful and mm -hmm. we don't want you to experience that again. And so that's also leading to the development of the shadow self, right? There might have been a childhood experience you had, and then you learned from your childhood that it was bad to be this, for example. So maybe maybe you learned it was bad to be rich, right? You heard mm. your parents talking badly about the people down the street who had a lot of money and, you know, all the rich people in town are so greedy and all the real estate development they want to do is like ruining things and jacking up the prices. You know, you mm. heard all of this as a child. And so you might have actually internalized that becoming rich would be a bad thing because then, you know, unconsciously you were thinking, oh, my parents would talk crap about me. Not a conscious thought, right? But mm -hmm. now as an adult, you think I want more money and you're trying to manifest money, but there is no emotional safety in having money. Mm. And so this is a huge part of my coaching program is actually uncovering what is blocking you from actually receiving that because manifesting money, believe it or not, is actually quite easy. It's all of the stuff that's in the way of receiving that that has mm -hmm. to be cleared out, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of the practices that they are trying to embody, they're trying to basically add on top. It's kind of like just um, putting lipstick on a pig, right? Yeah. It's like you can do that, but it's only going to be as effective as it needs to be when you've actually gone in and healed everything. So th those tools and practices will work to a certain extent. You might get some mild results, but they will not be effective until you've gone in, excavated, taken it all out. So yeah. Totally. That reminds me of, um, so I used to, I used to sing and I remember um, when I had to go on stage and I, I mean, I, I, I honestly couldn't pursue it anymore because my stage fright was just way too intense. But I remember talking to my doctor, like, is there a pill I can take to, you know, slow down my heart rate? Is wow. there something I can do? I talked to my vocal coach before, like, how do I not be nervous on stage? I tried all of these tools. And of course, none of them worked because I was only focusing on the top layer. Right. I had to really go deep and figure out where is this fear coming from? And there's there's so much to unpack with that because, of course, there's a fear, fear of judgment. But then there's the other layer of, like, why do you even care about the judgment in the first place? Right. And it's because I need the validation. So it's like, well, why do you need the validation? And where did that mm -hmm. come from? And then it really boils down to trying to offer yourself, again, that the validation that you just need for yourself. And when you have that, um, and right now, I mean, I feel like I'm in a pretty okay place with, with this. And I, I feel like I've given myself the validation of, for me, the measure of success in this podcast is as long as I'm enjoying doing it, 
that is a win. And that is my only measure of success. And so I think I've been able to really do that in a lot of different ways, even within my business with real estate too. I mean, think about how many times, especially, I mean, I was there when you first started and you were terrified. Mm-hmm. I mean, your first um, appointment, you were so scared. I know. I was so scared. And I felt so stupid for being scared. That's actually why I sought spirituality. You know, I was using that almost as my drug. I was like, how can I just stop feeling this way? What can I use? What can I read? What can I try in order to stop feeling this way? And then what's so funny is that the whole journey was basically just bringing me to the realization of you just need to feel to heal that. There's nothing you can do to stop feeling it. Um, And when it does get painful enough, and that's what's so sad about doing the drugs, right? Having the prescription drugs sometimes, which I'm not judging. I'm saying if you need them, absolutely. They have their time and place. I have actually used them once before. But there was a lot of this work that I need to do internally that wouldn't have made those drugs very effective. Um, And I think anyone who's using them, it would be more than – it would be so beneficial to do that work in tandem, right? Mm. Have that medication plus doing this inner work because – Unfortunately, I think if you're just doing the medication, it might almost just kind of dampen your ability to do that, right? Like the pain won't be painful enough for you to have to go deeper. Um, It'll just become manageable and then you'll just live like that. And not a bad thing, but I think that our next level of expansion that we both experience in order to get us to this point where we are now – on these microphones and sharing this conversation with between us and with other people, we had to go to those deeper places. Yes. And I mean, to your point about, you know, just kind of taking the pill or doing the little thing that's just kind of the band-aid fix, it's the same thing, again, going back to that example of a relationship. You know, if you are in a relationship with somebody and you have an anger issue or, you know, and then you just take a pill or you drink or you do something to medicate to just calm that and to numb that, you're not healing the relationship. And in fact, it's, the trigger will, will just keep coming up. Yeah. And that's the thing that we've, we've learned is that the triggers are just going to keep coming up, coming up until you heal them. Yeah. And it's funny because we think it's going to be so painful to look at them. But mm. it's more painful to not, yes. you know, so many of us have been in relationships too where we'll get into this, you know, argument or this conflict and then there will be a lot of, okay, let's just not talk about it. Let's just move. Let's yeah. just move on. Let's just move on. And just sweep and, it under the rug. Yeah. And that's so painful because that is a surefire sign that that's going to come back. It's only going to be a matter of time. And so what seems like a painful process of like actually uncovering, okay, like how did this start? How did you feel? Where did the tr- – like, what kind of led up to this trigger? And yet, yes, that is deeper work. And for some people, that might be kind of annoying. Like, I don't even want to have this conversation. Let's just move on, right? Right. It's, it's difficult. And so it's difficult between people. And right. so I feel like it's that much more difficult within ourselves, right? It's so much more important because that is the basis of everything. Every relationship. Every yeah. relationship, everything that you want to pursue. And so I think that's the key for me now is that I'm not – I don't fear the fear anymore. Mm. I used to be terrified of the fear. I kept on trying to do things without the fear. And then as soon as the fear showed up, I was like, okay, that's my – cue to leave because this is not for me. I would only do things in a really safe way, you know, <laughs> if, if, mm-hmm. if it felt like that's why honestly too with um with the podcast, a lot of them now are done online like this, right? Where we're just kind of logging in and this is easier than being in an actual room. And so I would always kind of put myself in situations that just felt easier and didn't present as much fear. And now I'm trying to just throw myself into that 
arena. And um, like I said, I'm just kind of this open target. But I know that it's just what I need to do to overcome the fear. Um, I really am ready to stand up to it. And um, I'm actually just really proud of myself for the first time in a long time. And I think we just also don't take time to do that either. And again, I know we keep going back to the, the child, but I just can't imagine what it would do to a kid if they were afraid of something. You're like, yeah, you should be afraid. Yeah. You that means you shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah you yeah. don't do that. And if we just also try to brush it under the rug, you know, what would that do to their confidence? So what are we doing to our own confidence when we keep on sweeping it under, under the rug? And mm-hmm. so you don't go from being afraid to just being confident, right? It does happen in stages and there's going to be ups and downs. There are days where I feel way less confident. Um, but even within my within our businesses and your coaching business, you know, the first call that you had versus the last one you had of your last course. Like think about the the difference between Mm. those, um, those 12 calls that you've had. Yeah. Well, I think that's the biggest lie we have to bust is that confidence is just an unchanging character trait. Like Mm. as if people just are born that way. Um, actually there's a lot of people in my life who think that I was just born that way. And I mean, I thought that, yeah, even you thought that, but what's interesting is that was a trained skill because I grew up as a performer. I was a ballerina and I did all different types of dance and even dance professionally. And so I was nurturing that fear relationship for many years. I remember stepping onto stage as soon as I was four years old. And so I remember these big performances. I always felt nervous before getting on stage, but I just knew that was part of it. And I didn't think that meant it's, I have to take off my costume and go home now. Like Mm. it was just, I just had the thought that I'm about to go on stage. So like, yeah, I feel this way. But I also remember reframing my anxiety as excitement. Yes. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just feeling this way because I can't wait to get on stage. And that was also true. So I just thought about this more as an excitement and anticipation rather than, oh my gosh, I shouldn't go out there. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I've just had more experiences than maybe the average person of feeling this and doing it anyway. I'm in the wings. I feel the heart rate going up. I just don't think that it's a problem. Right. I just think this is a requirement before I get on stage. And then what's interesting is as soon as you go out there, it goes away. It Mm. doesn't go away if you stay in the wings. I mean, for me, it didn't go away when I would get out there. For me, the whole time, I was like, why did I get on this stage? I need to get off as soon as possible. Everyone's looking at me. But I think it comes down to, again, what is more important to you? Because for you, that is a little bit easier than other things. There's a lot of other things that you do that you would be fearful and you you wouldn't go out and you would just hold yourself back. Because I... Um, because for me, I'm thinking that there are things that even though I'm fra- afraid, I'll just do it anyway. When it comes to business, you know, sales calls, those kinds of, of things, I don't, I've never really got too ner- nervous about those to the point where it made me want to stop. Because again, but when you I were had, in your, maybe your, your early 20s, like when you were just starting out, do you think? Because you have done that for a long time. So of course, now you've taught your brain right. that's not a scary thing. But it's kind of like the same thing as what you said about the dance, where you got nervous from day one, just like I got nervous in day one, but I just also knew that that was part of the process. So I had, then why did we think it wasn't the part of this process? I know, because I think for me, this one is just a bigger fear. It's just scarier to me. So I think everyone's going to have things that make them more scared than others. Like for some people, I mean, I have a real estate team. I have agents that I'm coaching and it, it's it's actually been one of the most um, healing things for me to see their fear mm-hmm. because I 
see them as very capable and incredibly intelligent, very well-spoken, and they're amazing at what they do. And then as soon as it's time to maybe do something that they've never done before, maybe do a different kind of property, I don't know, just as an example, all of a sudden this fear can show up. And when you can witness somebody else going through fear that makes no sense to you, you can then kind of reframe it to your own fear and think, oh, that my fear also doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been, I'm sure you get this too, and just even coaching your own clients, but ultimately even you and I talking about this together has helped a lot, which is why I think, um, or I hope that a lot of people will resonate with this and maybe even share with us. I would love to hear from other people and and what they've overcome. And um, so, yeah, so I think that there is something to be said about the range of fear. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's certain things that we're just, um, it's easier to swallow that this is just part of it versus um, other things. Yeah. I think that the worst fears are the unquestioned ones. So the ones that we just simply Mm. accept are fearful, scary things that we just can't do. Those feel the worst. The degree to which you question a fear will reduce its hold on you. And Mm. so that's actually what we do in coaching, right? Most of coaching is questioning fears. I always make this joke that as a coach, I'm putting the house lights on people's brains at the club at 2 a.m. And sometimes I look in the mirror <laughs> and they're like, that's not pretty. But it's because it's it's time to get honest, right? It's time yeah. to question and figure out what's underneath that because you think it's just, oh, I, I don't want anyone to hear my voice. But no, it's something deeper than that. because So much deeper. Yeah. And so if we don't question the fear and we let it just run – right, and we don't um, stall it, then that's when it starts taking over and creating a really, really strong, convincing biography about us, right? People will say things about themselves like, I'm just not that type of person. And that's really dangerous because you will only act to the level of your own self-concept or identity. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was trying to become a runner, I've shared this with my clients, I had this perspective of myself that I just couldn't do that. I'm just not the type of person who runs. I can't do that. I don't have stamina. I'm not an endurance person, those types of things. And then the way I started breaking that was, first of all, looking at all different people of shapes and sizes who run marathons and thinking, well, if they can do it, I can do it, surely. I look look actually fit. Like, I could do that. (laughs) And then actually starting to slowly program, I'm the type of person who gets up and runs in the morning. I'm the type of person who takes care of myself physically. I had to start really thinking of myself in that way because until I did, I was going to self-sabotage because Mm. my brain's thinking that doesn't match the model of us that we have right now. And so if there's any change that you want to make, we really have to start thinking about what type of person already does that Mm. and how can I embody that instead of wondering how am I going to act like that? Because it's not going to be you now. Who does it's that? It's not the version of you now. Exactly. Yeah, it's not yeah. the version of you now. And so you're thinking, oh, I'm scared to do that now and I can't do that. But that's not the version of you that's going to do that. Mm-mm. I love that. Um, the book, uh, Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Oh, so good. That has helped me so much because I did the exact same thing. I said things like, oh, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not good in pub- you know, public speaking. I would never be good on a podcast. I can't do this. I can't do that. And you really do need to rewrite that story because as long as you believe that, you're always going to live up to that expectation you have for yourself. Yeah. And so, again, for me, it didn't go from, okay, I'm, I suck at this to like I'm great at this. But I think for me it started with I could be. I could be someone that would be good Little at this. Little window. Mm-hmm. I, I could be. And so I think it's all about finding – I mean, that's why affirmations, I feel, for a lot of people, they hate them. I have a friend who 
says she hates affirmations. But I think it just, it has to be believable to you. And so um, actually another friend of mine talks about transitional affirmations. Yes. Um, so just instead of just going into, uh, I am a confident speaker to, I am on the way to becoming a confident speaker. I'm more yes. confident than I was yesterday. And kind of taking those baby steps and um, and really celebrating those baby steps that are actually huge steps. Baby steps are massive. Think about a They're baby huge. literally taking its first steps. We think of baby steps as being these little tentative, like, do, do, yes. do. No. If you're taking a baby step, you're literally doing something massive. Like, you've never done it before. And yes, you are expected to fall. But that doesn't mean that you are going to be unsuccessful at walking it, <laughs> yes. or whatever you were trying to do. It just means you're learning how to do it. And mm. you're going to be really good. I, I have this new belief, and that's and this is the thing about beliefs. It doesn't really matter whether they're true or false. I think that you need to come up with beliefs and curate the ones that help support the life you want to create. And so for me, one of my newest beliefs that I've been working on is no one is good at anything. You only become good at something the more you nurture it and practice it. And so think about public speaking. If you say to yourself, I'm not a good public speaker, what you're trying to suggest is that other people are naturally good at public speaking. No baby is good at public speaking. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. No person is good at that. It is a learned skill. It's something that you might have been pra- – I mean, your daughter has been practicing speech now since she's six. So mm-hmm. she might be a really good public speaker. And then people might see her and think, oh, she's really good at that. But yeah, she was in speech classes at six years old. So makes sense. And so having this belief has really supported me in creating new habits and skill building in areas where I don't have them. Um, like people might think, oh, she's a really good writer, but I've been writing since I was a kid. Right. I mean, I, I think that if we want to believe that some people are just naturally inclined, then we have to really question, is that even helping me though? Is that a helpful thought? I don't think that's a helpful thought to think, oh, some people are just naturally good at that because then that just makes you believe, well, I'm not. And so I shouldn't even try because even if I do try, I couldn't be that kind of good. And so I truly believe now that you can be good at anything. I think I've actually been told by singers, and you can tell me because you actually were a singer, but I've had singers say to me that anyone can become good at singing with their own voice, right? It's not that I'm going to be Beyonce voice, but I can know, I can learn how to use the voice I have and learn how to be in tune, like, 100%. Follow- Okay, I thought you were going to say no. <laughs> no, no, hundred percent. It, it's it's the same thing with dance. I've seen so many videos online of a middle aged man who just wanted to start to dance, and it shows their journey. Where in the beginning oh they have God. zero rhythm. Well, think about dancing by, with the stars, right? That's literally with the person who exactly. doesn't know how to dance. <laughs> And I think, oh my gosh, this is honestly even helping me right now because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just learning. And so maybe for me, a, a transitional affirmation would be instead of saying I'm starting a podcast, you know, I'm learning how yeah, to start a podcast. That's it. Um, that's all that we're takes doing. the pressure off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually don't love affirmations because, and a lot of people ask, why don't they work? Um, I try to use them, and it's really what you said earlier you have to use something that you believe. If you are Mm -hmm. using affirmations like, I am a confident woman and you don't feel that way, (laughs) that's actually creating more resistance. Yes. Because it's literally- It just highlights that you're not. Yes. Or that you feel that you're not. You're basically saying, I'm not a confident person when you say it. So it's- (laughs) You're affirming that. Yeah, you're affirming the wrong thing. And so with my clients and myself, a lot of times I use affirmations. So for example, what (laughs) what if I was more confident or what if I was a confident woman? This is so powerful because your brain is going to immediately go to work 
imagining what that could what be if. like, right? right. What it, it will just literally go there for you. And so you don't have to believe that you are a confident person. You can literally just imagine and create mm. the same chemical experience of being confident. So affirmations, they are helpful, but only once you work your way up to them. So those transitional ones are just as good. I think that there's this belief that unless you're using the really strong statement. Like, I am. Right. That it's not working. But what's interesting is that the words are truly arbitrary. The meaning that you're getting from them and the emotion that is sparking from that meaning is more important. So if you are resonating with, I am learning how to blah, 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 and that's creating a positive surge of emotion or a shift in your state of being, then that's the affirmation you should be using. You, You don't need to hop over to, I am a millionaire because- that might not work. But for someone, it would. For someone, mm-hmm. that might actually be able to become embodied um, with Well, ease. I think that's why there's so many different therapy modalities. That's why there's so many different manifestation techniques because everyone's different and you're going to resonate with different things depending on what state of consciousness you're in, what where you're at on that given day. I mean, even you and I, when we're going through these things, every time we try to help each other, it doesn't – the same words don't work. <laughs> It's very true. So it's just about finding, like you said, what what ultimately works for you. And I think that's a really fun process for me of trying to find, okay, what can make me feel better? Because think about your friend. If you're giving your friend advice, it's not like I give one piece of advice and it doesn't work and I'm like, okay, well, I'm out. <laughs> like, that's all I got. <laughs> I keep trying. I keep oh on trying gosh, to offer you new so things. That's so true. That's so right? true. Whenever we have conversations and you'll you'll actually check in, you'll say something like, does that make sense? And sometimes I'll say something along the lines of, not really. And you're, and you're like, okay, okay, we'll think of it like this. And then yeah. you literally launch into another thing because you're like, yes. okay, that didn't work. So, But we give up on ourselves so fast. So fast. So fast. We try one thing and it didn't work. You know what? My very first life coach called that results entitlement. She was like, mm. you're upset about the results that you didn't even try to create. And wow. it threw me on blast because – she was like, how many times did you actually try to feel better about that or whatever it is that we were talking about? And I was like, I tried like one new thought and I didn't like it. It didn't work. <laughs> and she's like, so she's like, you got to try another one. And I remember you telling me that in the morning sometimes or whenever you're getting triggered, you use like – you think of all of your thoughts like a little slot machine and you you, you scroll through them. Yeah. And certain ones don't work. For example, I've told my clients how sometimes, you know, your cute dog can be your low resistance thought for the day, meaning you can think about your dog and how fluffy and adorable they are, and it will bring you a feeling of joy and lightness. But yeah. if your dog threw up on the couch this morning, that's not going to be the thought that works for you. And yeah. so it is truly a dynamic process with yourself. And I love how you said that that's exciting for you because mm. I think most people think that's so exhausting and annoying. It's just a choice. I I have just decided I do not want to stay in feeling like shit all day. I just – I don't want to do that anymore. I've done it long enough. I want to see what it's like when I actually – do try to enjoy it. And and instead of scanning, we're doing it already. We're already scanning for all the things that are bad, all the things that we're afraid of, all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. I'm just trying to flip that and trying to scan for all the reasons that I do want to do it and all the reasons that I should do it or all the reasons that it makes me happy. I'm just trying to take what I'm already automatically doing with that monkey part of our brain and trying to apply it for something more positive and something that serves my higher good. That's yeah. it, right? You're, I- you're going to do it anyway. Exactly. You're going to think a thought anyways. And so a lot of my work really is becoming conscious of, okay, well, what's even running behind my two, what's running between my two years in the first place? And then questioning, 
Is this helping me? Is this actually aligned with what I want to experience? And then when you can observe that it's not, great. You have the opportunity now to choose again. And so that's really what happens with the fear. It's not that we need to stop feeling this way or that it means something that we're feeling this. It's more about how am I going to respond to it? Now that I've become the witness of what's coming up, how am I going to respond? And that's the entire healing journey, right? It's every trigger you ever experience. It's, ooh, okay, trigger. How am I going to choose to respond? Because that is the choice. What is characteristic of a non-spiritual or non-healing journey is not being able to witness that you do have a choice in that, Mm. right? It's really just responding from the reactivity and believing that this is the only way it can be. And then Mm. healing is really taking your power back and realizing that, no, I don't have to respond that way. I can actually choose the way in which I want to respond and choose the one that corresponds with the reality that I want to experience. So when I'm working with my clients a lot, sometimes there might actually be negative thoughts that feel really true. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's not about me getting you to a point where you don't believe a single negative thought anymore, although that would be really nice. It's, (laughs) it's, It's really getting you to the point where you can acknowledge, okay, I might actually believe this thought, but at this point, it's not getting me where I want to go. So am I willing to release this for now? I'll say Mm. just for today. Are you willing to release this for today and choose this? And then it's just doing that every day. (laughs) It, it, It builds up. And then like you said, the confidence is the reward. So the more you work on stretching and building up that muscle, Now when that fear comes in or that negative thought, your reactivity to it will not be as immediate. There'll Mm -hmm. be some space between you and that trigger, and then you can kind of choose how you want to move forward. Because there's something to be said about confidence being built and standing up to the fear, right? Mm -hmm. So the more you can even do that, the more confidence you'll have within yourself to be able to get get on the other side of fear. I think for me, I've run away from the fear so many times that there has been – this narrative that I can't overcome it because I've always run away. And now I'm kind of doing the opposite and my brain is freaking out because it's like, wait, you don't usually do this. Yeah. What are you doing? And it's trying to keep me safe. And I literally just have to keep telling myself, this is safe. I'm okay. It's what I want to do. And so like you said, it is that conscious choice to really just get curious with it, to keep on having compassion with it. And instead of letting it run wild, we have the power to tame these thoughts. And I think that's been the most empowering thing for me. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really been reflective, like I said, even in our relationship, because I I don't give up when when you're fearful. I know it's temporary. Yeah. I I know that without a shadow of a doubt. And same thing with your daughter. It's 100%. Honestly, with anybody that we love, but it's so crazy that within ourselves, we just don't have that. But I think I've learned that our relationship with ourselves is like any other relationship, except obviously way more important. Like it is the most important relationship. Truly. Um, and so, and but it's the one that we pay attention to the least. Yeah. And it's the one that we make wrong. It's so interesting that when someone else is scared, what is our first instinct? It's to go into that caretaking mode. It's yes. to assu- assuage and really soothe the fear and, and question it and nurture it and – Um, encourage. And then it's so funny that when we feel fear, we just go into immediate judgment and shame. Like, "Mm, I shouldn't be feeling that. Oh, you're stupid for feeling that. Yep. I knew it. It's because you're feeling, yep, we're not going to do the thing. And it's, that's just not how we approach fear in any other situation. And so 
I think that if all of us approached our own self-fear with that lens that we do when it's someone else, it would make a world of a difference. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation is that following your dreams is gonna feel like shit sometimes. Yes. I think that the belief that it's not supposed to is what keeps people so stuck. They think yeah. that following some big dream or idea is gonna feel like just easy and fun. And yeah, there is definitely a part of that that is true. I think it really is both. And so if you are believing that going after this new career or new relationship or really new anything is just gonna feel awesome and as soon as it doesn't, that means that you shouldn't be doing it you are robbing yourself of a ton of experiences that your soul wants to experience. And your soul doesn't get scared of the same things that your mind does, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so that's why it's so painful when you don't follow your dreams because your soul's like, but that's what we want to do. And you're listening to your mind rather than really following your heart. That sounds so cliche, but it's but true. It's true. It's true. And our minds are. They, I mean, I guess I was going to, because they are very logical, obviously, but I think the the quote about how they're just designed to protect us has really helped me yeah. um, a lot. And um, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway of this would be that fear is part of it. It's just mm. part of it. And it's in fact really making my manifestations come true, right? Because if I'm trying to step into a version of myself that is a confident speaker that does things that really light me up, even though I'm afraid, then that version of me is someone that's going to keep doing it, even though the fear is there. Yes. So I have to step into that version of myself and, and that's what I'm doing here. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Maybe it's not like, oh, what do I do about this fear? Maybe it's more, it's maybe it's more like, um, how would the version of me who is confident deal with this fear? Mm-hmm. What right? Because, do? right. Because the fear is really not going to go away and the triggers aren't going to go away either. And that's why it really is a spiraling upward journey, spiraling higher, because it's not about how can I eliminate all of the triggers and then feel confident and relaxed. It's right. how do I respond in the face of these things and build my confidence so that when they come up, I don't overreact to them every single time. Well, it's the same thing with a marriage. You're not trying to go to therapy for a marriage so you never fight again. You're going to therapy so that you learn how to navigate through those big emotions. You know, what do I do when I'm triggered when, you know, I'm I'm getting super mad about something not going right in my relationship? You learn how to manage it, right? Yeah, but that's so interesting because people do have a hidden belief that there shouldn't be these problems. And so when there are, that's when relationships often fall apart. Right, I think that the relationships that last are the ones who are willing to do that deeper inner work and yes, learn how to navigate, learn how to respond, not react. And so if you believe that your relationship is supposed to be no fights, hardly any conflict, then obviously as soon as there's a conflict, you're going to think this isn't the relationship for me, which Mm. is exactly what happens when you think, well, if I follow my dream of starting a podcast and I feel scared, that must mean I'm not supposed to do it. So I don't do it. Yeah. That's not what that means. And you're giving up right in the point where you should be just pushing through. Yes, you're, you're giving so up close. right at that exactly, just right at that point that you would be expanding into that 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 next level. And it reminds me though um going back to the relationship analogy um you know, I've talked to a, I've been with my husband now for over 17 years and so clearly we've gone through a lot of growth together and I I've talked to a lot of people where when they're ta- going through relationship problems 
and they're fighting a lot with their partners and then they say something like, but when we're good, we're so good. Mm. It's just when we fight. And I always say <laughs> the fighting is the most important part. It's how you fight that actually I believe dictates the success of the relationship. It's not when th- it's so easy when it's good. Just like it's easy when there's no fear present. I of know. course, it's going to be easy for me to do something. But when the fear shows up, that's when it's the most important how we're responding to that. It's not, it doesn't matter how I'm responding to fear when there's no fear present. Yes. Right. It's so true. I can, I can definitely direct that within um, the relationship with myself too. You know, it's really easy to like myself when I'm just <laughs> doing really good, you know? Yeah. It's funny because sometimes, um, I mean, I've really used, uh, my ego has used a lot of things in the past. Like, oh, I worked out today and I made a healthy meal and I did all this stuff on my to-do list. And yeah, really easy to like myself and not say shitty things. But the days where I just felt like anxious and didn't really want to do anything and didn't work out and ate fries or whatever, not that fries are bad, but it's just then it was, that is when I need to really test, okay, how can I be with myself during this period of time where things aren't good? You know, I've thought about that in my relationship obviously too, when like how can I be the most loving and caring version of myself when he's being annoying. You know, it's like, it's super easy to be super lovey-dovey and kind when he's in a good mood too. And so how can we kind of extend that kindness to other people in our lives, but especially ourselves when we're experiencing what doesn't always feel great? It's mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. Fear is so uncomfortable. And it's, and we think that experience, And we think that moving towards what's causing it is going to just keep it alive. And so I think that's also the fear that that. if we keep going, it'll just get worse. Yes. But that's an illusion. If you Mm. keep going, it gets better. And if you keep turning around, it gets worse. It's just going to keep getting worse because you're building up the fear to be this huge, big monster that just keeps – you can never overcome it. So it it goes back to – you know, every time you shrink away from it, the fear just keeps getting bigger yeah. and bigger because you keep on building the belief that you can't overcome it. Yeah. It's like it's like the fear is literally the monster under your bed. But like as soon as you like actually look under your bed, there's nothing there. So it goes away. Mm. But if you don't look under the bed, then you're like right. – Then it's still, it just stays there. And yeah. so you just continue being afraid of it. But once you take the action, you see, oh, there's nothing here. Right? It's like I'm actually okay. It's actually doing the thing and realizing we didn't die. We're good. No one said a mean thing. Oh my God, it was just Mm. all in my head. That's the monster, right? And so if we don't take the action, if we don't question it, then we just live our lives kind of low, just low-key believing it's still there. Mm. And then it gets triggered so easily. Yeah. It's crazy though because we live in fear so much and it's 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 one of my favorite quotes is um by Michael J Fox and I'm not going to quote it directly but it essentially says that there's no point in worrying about the worst case scenario because it rarely ever happens and even if it does you'll have had to live through it twice. Yeah, we talked and about it. Yeah. Love it. That just helped me so much because I start to try to uncover and unravel like what am I so afraid of? What is the worst thing that can happen? You know, and for the most part, it's that people will hate whatever I'm creating, whatever I'm doing, or a client won't want to work with me, or somebody doesn't want to do this with me, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> and then you'll be fine. 
Oh my gosh. I love doing worst case scenario thinking, not as a way to focus on my manifestations, but if I am in fear, I will just play out the worst case. And I have that belief too, that worst case never happens. So once Mm. I've written that out, I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. And then it just, it actually creates relief to play that out. I remember Mm. when I I was a very high performer in school, um, making really good grades. And one of the things I would do, like any test I would take, I would actually calculate all the ones that I wasn't 100% sure I got right. And then I would calculate my (laughs) score as if I was going to get them all wrong. And I was like, okay, worst case scenario is I got all of these wrong. And it's, but that's never the grade that you made. And so what was so interesting was I'm almost using that approach now in my life, which is I'm like adding up all the points that I could miss. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's not going to happen. I'm not actually going to get that score. Like some of these I got right. And so you know that it's going to be something better than worst case scenario. And in most cases, not it never happens. I had so many clients throughout this past coaching program who a couple of them were still in school and they came to me thinking, oh my gosh, I'm doing so bad in this class. I'm going to fail. And it's so funny. Both of them passed those classes. Yeah. Both of them passed. One of them passed with a B. I was thinking, that's not even close to failing. Right. Right? But they spent three months just thinking about how they were going to fail. I Just creating a really unnecessary anxiety. And like you said, you're experiencing it twice. But they actually experienced it once that they didn't even have to experience. Right. It never materialized. It never even manifested. Well, because it's so easy for us to automatically go and focus on everything that could go wrong, but we don't think about what could go right. Which is an equally possible, equally possible scenario. Possibility. Yes. Yes. Scenario. Yes. And I think also one thing that's helped me, at least with this specific example of being seen and things like that, is, you know, okay, so I'm afraid of judgment and, you know, people are not going to think it's good. And really that's masking for needing validation. But then when you realize that the only validation you need and the only validation that matters is yourself. And that you can just give it to yourself right now for free. <laughs> for free. It kind of takes the wind out of the fear sails because you're like, well, I already got what I need. Right. Well, that's kind of like the the give and the get thing we talked about earlier. Yes. So if I'm trying to create the podcast in order to get people to like me or think I'm cool, then yeah, I'm gonna feel really terrified every time I release it because I'm waiting to I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm thinking, okay, are they going to like it? Whereas if I just like myself and I'm confident, then I don't really care what anyone says. If anyone says nice things, that's just gravy on top. Right. And then if people say bad things, like you said, just your perspective, just your opinion. Has but no I think it's also me. remembering I – think, I, I think I did kind of fall into this sense of, okay, like I'm good now, right? Kind of like what you do too. It's like, okay, I, I've overcome the fear. So I'm good now. Mm. But just gonna it's, be a it's new one. going to keep coming up. And I mean, I think about my fears with showing up when I was 13 to now, they're very different. It's, it's the same topic, right? Yeah. It's the same topic of being afraid of being seen. But the version of me when I was 13 was really scared about different levels. Whereas like mm-hmm. the version of me now is scared of different things because I'm at a higher level of consciousness totally. now than I am too. And that goes back to the whole spiraling higher thing is that we're going to keep re-meeting these triggers and these fears, but from a new perspective. And our job in that new perspective is how do I meet myself again so that I can keep leveling up? And how do I keep on 
showing up for myself every time because just like it's not like every time you come to me with a problem I'm like oh I already helped you with something last time so I'm I'm done helping you it's like that's why our friendship keeps growing because I keep helping you so if we want to develop so a better relationship with ourselves like you got to keep showing up for yourself every time right and one of the issues that I've had with myself and that I'm healing on my spiritual journey is that initial response to my or reaction to myself which is this again Really? I <laughs> I and that is one of my greatest teachings now with my clients because it's been something that everything that I've struggled with is literally the lesson in the program, which I love mm. because I literally turned my pain into my purpose. But I literally every time I would experience another trigger, I remember I used to just think and sometimes I still do because I'm not perfect. I'm healing, I'm growing, I'm healing upwards. But I will oftentimes think this again, really? I thought I dealt with this. And that is coming from a false belief that I'm going to heal this thing and it's never going to come up ever, ever again. And it's like believing that you're going to have a fight with your partner and you're going to fix that fight and then you're never going to have a fight again. Nope. I have literally had a fight, a fight with my husband about where to go eat every single country we've ever traveled to, every single new city. <laughs> You know what's so funny about that? Um, my husband and I, um, like I said, we've been together for over 17 years. And so I met him when I was 20. And um, it's funny because once we had my daughter, our fights got more intense. And mm. I remember one of the things that would always come up was, we never used to fight like this. Why are we fighting like this now? And it's like, well, because we have so much more to fight about. Mm. We're at a totally different stage in our life. When we were in our 20s, like what was there to even fight about? And we were also had just met. So we were in the, you know, the honeymoon right, phase, right. all of those things. So it's a different scenario. So well, just- yeah, that's so funny because we do compare ourselves a lot to like the past version of us. We might, you might be comfortable or you might be familiar, sorry, with saying things to yourself like, I didn't used to be like this. Mm. I didn't used to worry about things like this. I didn't used to get nervous. And I said that to my husband and he told me once, yeah, because you weren't working. He was like, <laughs> you, you didn't have really anything to be anxious about. Right. He's like, you, you started working a few years ago. And so, yeah, now you've built these businesses. So there's just more things to worry about. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I guess the, the stakes have changed. And so yes. that's, that's true. As you expand into these next level versions of yourself, uh, you will presumably have more responsibilities that you will have thoughts and feelings about. And so it does. it's not a moral failure that you're experiencing this fear. It really just means you are growing. It's not a moral failure to experience fights in a relationship. That also means that you're growing, right? Yes. Your daughter coming into the picture completely changing the dynamic. It was like, okay, this family has to elevate because there's someone else here. And so mm. all of that was being unearthed and triggered. Yeah. And it's there. It is there to help us to keep leveling up into the next version of ourselves if we let it. Right. Yeah. Because the fear for me in the past always kept me small. Whereas now I'm keep on using it. I'm almost using it as like a stepping stool. I'm kind of stepping on it to just boost me up, you know? And every time I do that, I'm now met with another level of fear because now I'm doing something even bigger. Now I'm doing something even more scary that the past version of myself would never even think about doing. So as we keep leveling up, that's why we keep circling back to these same lessons because we're now in a higher level, a higher version of ourselves that is now experiencing new, um, 
new experiences, I guess, just kind of new levels, right? It's just like with the relationship. There's new, bigger things now on the table. So of course it's going to come up. So I think um, the thing that, again, just has helped me the most has been realizing that fear is just part of it and it's going to keep coming up and releasing the expectation that I'm ever going to get to the point where I'm never scared. Um, And so that when it happens again, I'm ready there with open arms to tackle it down. Just like with my daughter, I have full expectation that as she gets older, this is the perfect example. Right now, her friends in grade one, what are they going to fight about? What problems could they possibly have right now? But when they get into grade three, grade four, grade five, when they become a lot more invested in their relationships, her friendship issues are going to become, I'm sure, a lot more complicated, right? right? So it's the same thing with our fear. And you know, when when she comes to me and she tells me about her first fight with her friend, I'm not going to be shocked. I'm going to be like, all right, let's handle this. So I think, you know, don't be a, don't be shocked when your fear shows up, when you're about to do something that really means a lot to you. Expect it in the sense that you're going to be ready for it. And, um, you know, really what it's going to call is it's going to require you to show up for yourself and be there for yourself in a way that you've never been there for yourself before. Mm. And that is what's going to get you to the next level. That was incredible. Yeah. I love, I love that you actually used the example with Emmeline because – I think there's actually this – parents obviously learn this, and I'm not a parent, but I've heard this before, that you think that it's going to get easier as they get older, but it just it's just different, right? The awareness is growing in your child. The awareness is growing in you. It doesn't mean it gets easier. You just have – you had toddler problems, and now you have middle school kid problems, and then you have high school kid problems. It, it They just change, um, and – the problems don't ever go away per se. Just your your approach to them changes. And you're mm-hmm. right. If you are experiencing a wave of fear right now because there's something that you want to bring into the world, create, share, or it's not even that you need to share anything. Maybe you just want to be more honest about who you are mm-hmm. to the people in your life. That can also be fearful. A lot of people mm-hmm. are walking around with personas on or masks of who they – masking who they really are. And so even just the act of being authentic is a Mm. fearful act. And what this fear is really asking you is, yeah, to be there for yourself and nurture yourself the way you would a friend and really step into this version of you who is going to be able to create things that the current level of you cannot create because that version of you is still fearful. But once you actually step into and alchemize that fear, what you create from that version of yourself will blow your mind. I think that the thing that people need to understand about manifesting is you now with your thoughts is not the person who's going to manifest this stuff. You're going to become the version of you that's going to have all that. And so that's actually why I remind so many of my clients that manifesting is often sometimes pretty subtle because Mm. it's not this wowza factor like, oh my gosh, when you get it, like winning the lottery, which by the way, we could talk about that another time, but that's why a lot of people lose the money. Because they haven't adjusted energetically. But once you do grow and expand into that version of you, now it's almost just normal that you manifested that thing. And so a lot of people who say, oh, I've never manifested anything before. It's so funny to me because you just normalized everything in your life that you've manifested that you don't even think of them as manifestations. There's this misconception that the manifestation is going to be a million dollars, but you're making 50,000. It it doesn't really work like that. You actually manifest in these stages at the different mm. levels of different versions of you that you are manifest different things. And so it really is an inside job. And it starts really with looking at and questioning the fears that are getting in the way of 
anything you do want to manifest. Like this podcast we wanted to manifest. So we had to kind of dig deep and really figure out, okay, what's coming up right now? And Mm -hmm. we questioned that. We went deep. And here we are. We did go back deep. Again. And here we are. Back again. Until the next, until the next fear cycle. <laughs> until the next fear cycle. Yeah. Final thing I think I want to say too is that what's interesting is the fears evolve, but the physiological fear itself stays the same. Mm. Isn't that interesting? The actual emotion you feel is not different, which is why you can mm. ask yourself, oh, when was the last time I experienced this? Because the fear you felt at 13 is the same physiological fear. In yes. your body now, it's just taken on a different form within your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but that's why I mean that's why the triggers keep coming up because the body keeps score. The body remembers. The body is remembering that that emotion has happened many times before, so it's trying to keep you safe from that. Um, I love that. That actually that hit deep. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this again in the future. <laughs> Um, so we would love to hear from you if this resonated, please, please, please let us know and, um, we'll see you next time. Yeah. If you love this podcast, then definitely give us a five-star rating so we can continue bringing you amazing more conversations and would love to keep this conversation going. You can follow us both online, um, on, on Instagram, TikTok, and, um, let us know what you are working through, what you are afraid of and how you are going to nurture yourself through it. Thanks yes. for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.